Hello and welcome back to the Undecided Podcast. My name is Logan. And I'm Natalie. And we are reunited back in our apartment. I'm back in Los Angeles. (sighs) At last. At last. On today's show, we have Jess Rocco. And hopefully I said her last name right because... I always say Rocho. (laughs) I'm really bad at pronouncing things. She is a photographer, an influencer, and she also just started her own influencer management company. Go Jess. So she's transitioning from being the influencer in front of the camera to more behind the scenes and managing other people. So if you're someone who has thought about becoming an influencer or maybe even not becoming an influencer, but working in that realm alongside influencers behind the scenes, this will be a great episode for you because you can learn how people make money off of Instagram. And if you're also a photographer who's just starting out or who doesn't know how to be in social media and be a photographer, this is also going to be a great episode for you. We talk a lot about photography in 2020, how it's changed, and hopefully you can take some tips and tricks. So let's get into the episode. All right. Hello, Jess. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. No problem. So let's give the listeners a little backstory about yourself and what you do. Okay. Um, I was born and raised in a suburb 30 minutes north of LA. I just say I'm from LA, but technically not. Um, I am married. I got married at age 21. Um, I now, I kind of do photography. I was what I started with full time and now I've transitioned into owning a influencer management company woohoo woo woo on to bigger and better things um but I'm still doing both and we actually are moving to Sherman Oaks and we're gonna be neighbors they're literally moving <laughs> into the same building as us party <laughs> building I'm so excited to move out of my hometown and for new start um but yeah that's a little bit about me So being married at 21, how was that with your family, your friends? Well, in Santa Clarita, it's like basically more conservative town. So a lot of people do get married young, especially at the college I went to. It was a small private school and they had this thing say like ring by spring. And I rolled my eyes at that every time. I'm like, I will never get married until I'm 30. Like I want to focus on my career. And I just like was shocked at how many 19 year olds were getting engaged And I was like, why would you do that? That's so dumb. You don't know what you're doing with your life. And then sure enough, I got engaged at 20 and then married at 21. But it's been good. And with family, it was kind of hard convincing them at first because my sisters are like 10 and six years older than me. And they were like, why why would you do that? Why waste your 20s? But I felt like I was doing the opposite of wasting my 20s. It has helped me grow a lot more as a person and... I think my family has seen that. Actually, it probably has helped you be more focused on your career because you're not wasting your time on dating apps or like, you know, crying over a boy who didn't call you back or ghosted you. So true. I do not miss dating at all. I was never good at it. So I'm like glad to be done with that. And being married too is like you have double income. So I'm like, wow, that'd be nice. (laughs) I was like, should I get married? (laughs) Just for that double income. Okay, so what made you want to get into photography? Like, what drew you to it? Is there, like, 
something. I mean, I never thought of myself as a creative person. Um, I went to school originally for kinesiology. I really wanted to be a nutritionist. Wait, is that what your degree's in? No. Oh. I did switch my major after I failed anatomy, which is supposed to be the easiest <laughs> class. <laughs> I just never showed up. <laughs> See, these stories give me hope that you can find a way. Oh, yeah. There's never a time limit on when you can change career paths, <laughs> even in school. Uh, so was that your first step into kinesiology? Was anatomy class? Yeah. You, that's like your basic, basic class. And I couldn't. You <laughs> You're like, I'm out. Yeah, I'm like, so this is too much for me. I need an easier path because I didn't even like school. So I'm like, why would I want to be in school for longer anyways? Why photography? I When I switched to communications, because that was the easiest major at my school, they make you take all these classes. And I didn't take photography, but they make you take creative classes. And I was like, wow, this is really fun. And then I realized that I wanted to be in the entertainment industry somehow. And I just didn't know what. But I bought a camera just to get some cute pics of me and my friends. And then I started just loving it and kept doing it. What was your first camera? Oh, the classic Canon um, Rebel T5. The $500 camera. That was all I could afford. That's actually a great camera for beginners. No, it really is. Because really, you only need to care about your lens, not so much the body. Mm -hmm. The body, of course, helps when you're like doing crazy shoots. But like for fun, that's a great camera. Yeah, it was super user friendly, I would suggest if anyone wants to get into photography. So who was your first paying client? How did you transition from hobby to making money? I honestly don't know who was my first, but I do know that I, the my main client, her name's Becky Lachance. She's a fitness blogger. Um, I've been shooting it with her for the past three years, but she, I think I charged her like $75, had to go all the way down to Manhattan Beach and that's like two hours away from me <laughs> for an hour shoot. It was the worst photos I've ever taken. <laughs> and she still like kept hiring me after that. But I think her paying me was like, okay, maybe I should like pursue this and actually make this a career. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And did you reach out to her? Did she reach out to you? Like, how did you connect with her? Um, there was this app. It was like the Uber for photographers. Um, mm. I don't know if it exists anymore, but. And they took 20% of that $75. Oh so I think I made $50 from the shoot. Oh, that's crazy. I wish that was still your rate. <laughs> like, let's shoot. <laughs> I'll shoot you wow. for free anytime. <laughs> so speaking of rates, how did you go about pricing yourself? Because I think pricing yourself in any industry is the hardest thing because you are pretty much putting a price on your abilities. And everyone has different prices. And starting out, you're going to set them lower. But... How did you kind of figure out where to put yourself at? Um, at first, it was like testing the waters. Like I would just put a number out there. And if they said yes to it, awesome. And then if they said no, I'd be like, okay, well, what can you pay? What's your budget? Um, but now it's like, okay, I know what I'm worth. I know how much time I'm putting into driving, editing, um, the shoot in total. And so now I am very firm in my price. And I'm like, this is my rate. If you can't afford it, then find somebody else that'll fit Mm -hmm. and what was the hardest part business-wise like on the back end because it's not just you know running around shooting people and editing photos like accounting stuff contracts what do you think was the hardest thing starting out 
Um, all of the above, everything you mentioned. Mm-hmm. I feel like owning your own business is a guess and test all the way through. Like I never knew what I was doing the whole time and I needed to practice and I would practice on my friends, but that got old really fast. So I started just DMing anyone and everybody. And then I connected with a friend from high school who's a hairstylist and we started collabing on shoots. And from there I was like, okay, I like see the value in working with influencers and like just getting my name out there. So it was a lot of just seeing what would work for me and if anyone would want to work with me in general, just like just for free. Now here's what I want to know. Give us the inside scoop. Best client, worst client. You don't have to name names. I had a feeling you were going to ask this too. (laughs) But I want to know. Give us tea. The dark and dirty. Oh, man. Influencers are rough, I will be honest, even though they're the majority of my clients. I love my clients, but working with outside influencers that I've never worked with can be a challenge. Worst client was actually not an influencer. I I don't know if I should talk about this. She won't listen. But he, she, who. It was for a couple. And I had to drive to Big Bear. And it was like not just any Big Bear. It was like an hour past Big Bear. So like the top of the mountain. And it was like this three-day weekend thing. And they were like Jewish. Nothing against them. But they made me go to like all of their things that they were doing. Like they had these like. (laughs) I don't know if I should talk about You should because I love this. (laughs) Um, and <laughs> they had like, this like big family event and the night that they were like doing their songs and singing, this lady was like breastfeeding right in front of me while I was like trying to take photos of this very awkward moment. And there's just so much going on. I was like, this is the worst weekend of my life. I need to get Wait, out so of here. You were shooting all of their like family activities. Yeah. Like they had just gotten married. And oh. so they just wanted like a weekend with their family, but also it was dumping snow and it was oh, really God. hard to get down the mountain. So oh, it wasn't necessarily the clients. They were fine, but just that whole the experience was the worst shoot of my life. Oh God. Now, <laughs> who's your favorite or what are your favorite type of shoots maybe not a specific person but in general um anyone that gives me the freedom to do my job Mm -hmm. honestly is anyone who trusts me enough to shoot them and they're like I don't really have I have like some ideas of what I want and then I'm like good with whatever you want to do so anyone Mm -hmm. that gives me freedom is the best I agree I feel like the hardest shoots to do is when someone is not willing to try something new and they show you a picture from Pinterest and they want, I want exactly this mm-hmm. the exact pose, the exact background. I'm like, okay, well that's not you. We're not in that place. I once had this girl literally flip her phone around to me so that she was on selfie mode. I was holding it in front of her. No. And she was posing into it and just, I was clicking the side, taking photos. And I just was like, I, I'm not a photographer. Wait, right did now. she pay you for this? No, this was on an influencer trip. Oh. And I was literally just, oh. she was like, can you take a couple of photos of me? I was like, yeah, sure. And I was just like, this is the most demeaning thing yeah. as a photographer. Like, I'm literally just clicking my phone at you while you pose. Like, bring your assistant or something. I like, know. And do you guys want to hear something super hilarious? Yeah. I had to do that for Logan. <laughs> That's true. But you know what? Natalie is sometimes, you've gotten better, oh, terrible. I'm not a photographer. I'm not a photographer, and she is, so she's really picky about how her photos turn out. And I remember I was holding the phone, and 
selfie and she was posing into it. And I thought, this is so funny. She doesn't trust me to take a photo. <laughs> well, no. I think it's just easier to see yourself. But it's but yes. if you're having a photographer shoot yes. you, you should trust them. Yeah, literally having a job. photographer who actually knows how to take a photo, like put point a selfie camera at you is yeah. a little different than having my friend Natalie yes, who it is. has not been the great at taking photos. I asked her to, I asked her to take a photo once and I think she cut out half my body. I was like, where am I in this photo, Natalie? Where my am angles I? aren't always on point. You've gotten better. But anyways, <laughs> I just thought, oh, that sounds really familiar. <laughs> Are you talking about yourself over there? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm the most hypocritical, hypocritical person ever. <laughs> no, but it is different. Like mm-hmm. just sitting here yeah. clicking for you. Like bring a tripod or something. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, here's one I'll ask you. So what do you consider to be your biggest accomplishment of your career this far? Actually, when I first started, my sister um, was an artist manager and I was using my Canon Rebel and didn't know how to edit, didn't know how to do anything with my camera. And my sister like has the most faith in me. And she was like, hey, do you want to come shoot Kelsey Ballerini and Nick Jonas at the ACM Awards? (laughs) And I was like... I guess like I don't know how to use my camera like I should have used my iPhone at that point but I said yeah and then it was like featured in People magazine (gasps) okay that's a pretty good accomplishment it's been downhill from there though (laughs) that's a pretty good accomplishment I I like that one can you tell us some of the influencer clients that you work with anyone that the listeners may know yeah I work my biggest um client is Meredith Foster she's a youtuber She's the sweetest. I actually met her through Becky Lachance, who is my main client. She hires me like literally every month. And I met her through her because they both live in the South Bay. Um, and then me and Meredith ended up becoming good friends. And she took me on a trip and we shot um, her friends Tila Dunn and Sierra Furtado. They're not my clients, but I've shot and worked with them. And then I'm trying to think of like other people that I just feel like in the blogger space, it's Logan Hill. Everyone knows Logan. <laughs> no. Yeah, Logan. <laughs> Natalie Murray. <laughs> Up-and-coming influencer. Follow pop her. Star, pop star, billionaire. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like the YouTubers are like my biggest people that I've shot in the influencer space. And what advice would you give a photographer listening to this if they are wanting to shoot with influencers or bloggers or YouTubers? I think if you're just starting out, I wouldn't expect money if you're the one reaching out. Um especially if they're going to tag you and they're pretty big. Um, I wouldn't do that if you're very established as much. But honestly, Instagram, everyone's DMs are open. I know people who have half a million followers and still check their DMs. Mm -hmm. And everyone just thinks, oh, they have so many followers, they'll never see my message. And it's like I sent like a million messages before I got one answer back. So I would just keep doing that until you get a response. Yeah, true. Because when you think about it, who doesn't want free photos? It's not really a loss for either of you. Yeah, true. Very true. And then, oh, you know, what's a great thing that you once told me is using the hashtags, you would do Los Angeles photographer, mm-hmm. hashtag LA photographer. Mm-hmm. And didn't a couple of people find you through that hashtag? Oh, tons. If I they didn't find me through an influencer, they found mm-hmm. me through the hashtag. That's a really good tool for influencers, too. Like people think hashtags are dead. Mm-hmm. But I mean... I would totally, if I was looking for a photographer, I would totally look at the hashtags and just see who was there. I mean, that's the easiest way to find people on Instagram. Totally. Now, Jess, how do you edit your photos? Oh, um, 
with my presets. <laughs> I'm not. I, I use your presets. My mobile presets, though, I sell, but I don't sell my desktop ones. Now, for people who don't know, what is the difference between that? So you're using yeah. Lightroom, yeah. obviously. Um, mobile is anything that is like a JPEG photo, um, and you can edit it straight on your phone. And then it's usually like a one tap, and it's good to go. Um, on desktop, I think it would be like, I don't know the difference. It, just more raw photos works better with it. Um, it's just more professional looking, and you definitely have to mess with the presets with each photo you take. Now, as someone who's not a photographer, you only use Lightroom to edit everything? Yeah, I think that's like the main... There are a couple others, but no one uses them. I always thought that they used like Photoshop. Well, you can. You can color grade in Photoshop, and that's what people used to use before Lightroom was a thing. Mm -hmm. And some people do still color grade that way, but it is kind of not old school, but it's tedious, time-consuming. Like if you're shooting for like a big... Vogue's going to want you to color grade, but if you're just Mm -hmm. like... And also Lightroom has great like power to mm-hmm. color grade as well. Yeah. With a preset, you're pretty much color grading all in one. Mm-hmm. But I feel like people, I feel like some photographers that have been in the industry a long time are like, ooh, Lightroom's just like a quick fix and it's not real editing. But it totally is. It's like super powerful. Yeah. I use it for weddings. Yeah. Everyone uses it. I mean, if you really want to go edit each individual photo, oh, God. by all means. But I don't got time for that. No. Now, Jess is not only a photographer, but she's also an influencer, or was, maybe you're semi-retired, but... (laughs) Can you retire from that? (laughs) I know. Before we get into your management company, I want to talk a little bit about also being an influencer, because Mm -hmm. you were, when we first met, you were doing, honestly, you were doing way more than I was, and so how did you grow your following on Instagram, and kind of what made you want to, like, pursue that? Yeah. Um... I got a following because getting engaged very young is like was the hot commodity on Instagram a couple years ago. And then getting engaged in Italy was like it like grew my following from 10K to 25K real fast. Crazy. Um, Okay. How'd you even have 10K? (laughs) Nally's like, wait, no, I just want 10K. This is a great. Don't use these these tips anymore. This does not work. <laughs> but I would sit in class. I would started doing photography um, during school. So you my page followers. <laughs> you knew <laughs> your dreams were outside these school walls. <laughs> Literally, I was never paying attention. I was on my phone. Um, but. 10k was from me following and unfollowing people I'm not proud of it mm. but that was honestly it an worked. easy way that to must get followers. that must work because not any higher services yeah that's what they do they unfollow oh, they and unfollow mm-hmm. I didn't know that yeah because I did no, like you a, looked into it oh no <laughs> I will confess I did like a three I didn't want to pay for it but they offered like oh we'll do three days and if your following doesn't grow then you don't have to pay us my following grew but I would feel guilty because they would follow all these people during the day yeah and they would follow back and someone would even dm me and be like oh like thanks for following oh me. awkward and then oh, in the middle of the night at like 2 3 a.m they go and unfollow all those people see but people notice that now because we have all those unfollow apps right oh, so right, everyone right. will know if you unfollow them yeah i felt too guilty so i was like i can't do this <laughs> yeah it did work in the past though but it definitely doesn't work like that anymore but my page wasn't even me it was like my photography right and so when i started posting me and my now husband 
that started getting traction, I was like, okay, I think I need to post this. And then I made a separate photography account so that it would separate the two. And then, yeah, so I started growing a little bit after our marriage, but then I was like, wait, I can make money from this. And so I did the same thing with what I did with influencers. I would DM brands all day, email them, and then there started um, being online agencies. So it was easier to access these brands because they would pay to be on this website to get direct access to influencers. And that was what Aspire was, was Revfluence, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That's what it was called. I remember when I first met you, you were like, you have to join this. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know what it is. And you could just put how much you want to charge for posting and giving them extra content. And I started making like a lot of money from it, even with a smaller following. I have a question for, I guess, both of you is, you know how when you post on Instagram mm-hmm. and you get those accounts saying, DM us, we want to work with you. Oh. Or you get those DMs saying, Hey, love your feed. Let's work together. Are you are you talking about like the spam accounts? Yes. Oh, spam are accounts. those all spam? Yes. Yeah. And so, what are they trying to do? I honestly don't know. It's like these, like they're kind of like off brands of like Shein and stuff. These little like weird clothing brands uh-huh. that like have all these spam accounts that try and get people to wear their clothes for free and then post photos in them, and they'll reach out to literally anyone. And I try and block those accounts because they're so annoying. Some people out there must think, oh my God, free clothes. Don't Mm -hmm. respond to them. So I guess that's what I'm saying is to people out there that are wanting to be influencers like myself. (laughs) (laughs) Cut. Just kidding. For young people out there that want to be influencers that are getting those messages or those comments, ignore them. Ignore them because they're also, some of them are a scam. They'll be like, oh, here's a code for 50% off. Like go buy our stuff. And then I'm sure it'll never come or like something yeah. they'll steal your address. And- that actually might be the more like more of a reason why they're doing it is yeah. to your get info. your money yes. and info. Yeah. So instead reach out to brands, established brands that you know are legitimate. Totally. Yeah. So going off that, what is the best way to reach out to a brand? I think it's a little different now, but what I would do is just DM them be like, hey, I'd love to work with you. Um, I love your products and I am a photographer so I could take content for you guys to use and like always putting them first instead of myself instead Mm -hmm. of being like oh give me free stuff and then I'll post about it it was like telling them what I liked about them me already using them so I'm already a loyal customer Mm -hmm. and they would feel like oh it's okay to give her product because she'll like actually do something with it because some of these people just want free stuff all the time. Right. And honestly, just building real relationships with them. So once you do get that initial DM and maybe email, just like keeping in touch with them and like they'll start inviting you to events so you can meet the people behind the computer in person. And Mm -hmm. just being a real person in general is like the main thing about being an influencer because it's just like up for grabs all the time. They're like, oh, free swag bags. Right. PR boxes and that has rubbed brands the wrong way for too long now. So Mm -hmm. they're like, that's why they're going to smaller influencers is because they are reliable and relational. Smaller influencers typically have a more engaged audience. Right. And they're more inclined to buy what you're selling them. Totally. So there's hope out there for small influencers. There is. I think small influencers are probably getting paid a lot more than like bigger influencers. Mm -hmm. Because I've heard some numbers and like, it's pretty crazy. Because no one wants to pay a person with 3 million followers 
$50,000 for one post. Yeah, where they could spread that out with like a bunch of micro influencers and exactly. get a wider audience range. Now, I know I keep asking these types of questions, but have you ever had any bad experiences with any brands? Oh, yeah. Great question. <laughs> uh, Logan can attest. It's like this goes back to the freedom thing with photography is anyone who limits you and your creativity to what they want is you're not going to give the results that they want mm-hmm. in turn. It's so fake holding a product and posting that photo and then like, I love this because blah, 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 blah. When they give you a script of what to right. say and they're like, if you don't say this, you're not going to get paid. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, well, I do want to work with you, but I don't want to say this. So sometimes you have to say no to that mm-hmm. and say goodbye to that money. But it's better to work with somebody who gives you that freedom and is an honest collaboration than to take the money and run. So how did you price yourself as an influencer? Because I think when I was starting out, that was the number one hardest thing I I like could not figure it out. I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know whether I go off likes, comments, following. And I think brands also were trying to figure it out. Even right now, it's mm-hmm. such a weird thing to price yourself for a photo. Yeah, I think it's also taboo to talk about it. Totally. No one no one will talk about it. No. And I'm like, let's talk about yeah. it because I would love to know. Give me the numbers. There's this Instagram account now that like people will anon- anonymously put in like, hey, like a brand offered me this amount. Is oh. that good or bad? I'll send you the account. Oh my God, that's genius. Yes. Yeah. And they won't, well, they'll never say the name of the brand, but right. they're like, I have this amount of followers, this percentage of engagement, like is this worth it? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of like what you have to think is like, okay, is my audience worth it for $150? Mm -hmm. I have at the time I was doing, it's like 30,000 followers. I was getting like 1500 to 3000 likes depending on the post. And I'm like that for $150 is nothing. Mm -hmm. And it's not even just that it's the quality of content I'm giving them. So I'm like, okay, I need to start pricing myself higher. And so you start to take on less brand deals, but the people who do give you a deal are paying what you're worth. Right. And so I, I remember saying yes to everything in the beginning. I was like a hundred dollars just to post on my Instagram story. Like, wow, that's amazing. But now I'm like, I would never do that. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> like, I, might, I would. <laughs> I might do it. <laughs> and how did you deal with pushback from brands and being like well that's too high or we don't have a budget if it's a brand you like I wouldn't necessarily write them off being like okay if you don't have a budget I will happily post on my story in exchange for product because it's stuff I want still if it's a brand that's coming out of the blue that I've never heard of and is like we don't have a budget but we want you to post a video three stories and an Instagram (laughs) like whatever Mm -hmm. just they want you to do a million things and I'm like no, thank you. Like, I really appreciate it. Honestly, always respond back to those emails too, even if they're low ball offers, just because you want to have a good reputation right. in the industry. Like, word gets around really fast. So, just being nice and gracious and being like, actually, this is how much I charge. If you have a budget for that, I would gladly take you on, but otherwise, I don't have enough time in my schedule. Yeah, I think that's a good way to go about it. So, now let's talk a little bit about your new management company where you are now managing other influencers. Tell us a little bit about how that works. I basically negotiate deals for these influencers that I represent, whether they're bringing me a deal that was an email sent to them or me reaching out on their behalf. 
Um, so it's a lot of back and forth, a lot of cold emailing. It does take time and it is very new for me, but because I was already in the influencer space and knowing like, okay, these people are worth this amount or like how to get them PR packages. Like I already knew that stuff. So I've been like transitioning that into the business. And what made you want to transition as an influencer to an influencer manager? I was never cut out to be an influencer ever. (laughs) I can't even be in front of a camera for like longer than 20 minutes. Like I get so stressed about it. And like you like Logan is so good at this because she is on top of creating her content like every day and has turned it into a full-time job. And I would do more if it was my full-time job, but it Mm -hmm. wasn't like photography was. So I really just was over it really fast just because I couldn't keep up. The influencer space changes way too much. So I'm like, I would rather be behind the scenes, stay in this industry and not have to create the content anymore. Right. And especially if you don't enjoy doing it. I don't have to go out and shoot seven outfits. Awesome. (laughs) Like I will gladly stay at home behind my computer. But I mean, I do like the aspect of like meeting new people and like Mm -hmm. creating relationships because I feel like that was always the most important part of influencing for me. And so now that's even more important with owning a management business is making sure all my influencers are good with me, good with the brands they work with and vice versa. Who was your first client and how did you find them? The first influencer I started managing is one of my good friends. Uh, Her name's Hannah Cole and she is currently working for a really big YouTube studio And she got a ton of followers and like she has like 23,000 followers in the last three months, gets almost 6,000 likes per post. And I'm like, your engagement is insane. We were talking about it. I'm like, here's how much money you could make. Like you should do ads. And she was like, oh, I don't know. And this was before I started my management company. Mm -hmm. We were just like talking about her doing ads. And she's like, I don't know. It just feels so unnatural. And I was like, I'll show you all of these girls who do it in like the way that you would want to do it too and who they work with. And she was like, Oh, I just don't know how to do that. Like, would you help me like manage me? And I was like, yeah, that's actually like a really good idea. Like I should do that for like other people too. And so from there I like was like, Oh, I just need to start this and ask around if my friends need help with this. Cause I was giving my services for free before anyways, like mm-hmm. everyone would ask me, Oh, how much should I charge for this post? And like, I'll gladly help my friends out, but I'm like, I couldn't be negotiating this for them. Like I could be doing that as a manager. How do you make your money? Do you take a percentage or do they pay you up front or how does that work? It depends, but I take a percentage after they get paid from okay. the post that makes sense and what percentage is that like do you know what the industry standard is I know industry standard is 15 to 20 um Mm -hmm. just because I'm so new it's 15 for me that's pretty good yeah Mm -hmm. and I think that's totally worth giving that away for people because if they're so confused on how to price themselves they don't like negotiating it's Mm -hmm. so nice to have someone do it on your behalf right and they're not fronting any money to hire me right like I'm just working with them and anything I bring them, I make money from, they make money from, and that's it. Yeah. So the more money they make, the more money you make Mm -hmm. and everyone wins. Yeah. And typically they would probably get a higher rate from you rather than doing it themselves. Right. How do contracts work with your clients? I was actually talking about this with some influencers who do have managers and I was like, how does it work with them managing you? Do they require a a contract at all? And 
all of them don't have contracts. Mm -hmm. So like you can walk away at any time, but there is the legality of like anytime a brand reaches out to them, they have to bring it to the manager. And for me right now, I'm not requiring that. Oh, so you're not requiring that? Mm -mm, Not yet. Okay. I probably will later down the road, but most of the people I'm managing, I'm friends with. So I just don't see the need for that. So you're basically reaching out to other people on their behalf. Mm -hmm. And so how do you go about doing that? I have media kits for each of the girls. Um, I was pitching one by one, um, but I've been pitching to PR companies Mm -hmm. as a group. So a typical email is just, hi, how's it going? I have an influencer who loves your brand and I know would work well with you. And like in the subject line, it would be like, influencer collaboration at whoever I'm talking about Mm -hmm. just so that they like see it and like if they've seen their Instagram before I would like be like oh we would love to work with you but it's sending that kind of email 50 times a day for one girl dang waiting for a response do you feel like you've gotten a lot of response and a lot of traction with like brands and PR agencies well this year has been very difficult Mm -hmm. um with brand deals and I was talking to some other girls that I don't manage and they were saying they take so many brand deals this year they've gotten the most brand deals I've ever gotten in in the last four years which is like shocking because I'm like there's nothing out there but they're getting paid less right so I'm realizing that all these brands have way less of a marketing budget especially for influencers Mm -hmm. and so especially with like the climate changing like with COVID the influencer space has changed so much so now brands are looking out for that there's just like a lot of stuff. So I'm like, okay, how do I go around this? And it's reaching out to people I already had connections with and right. then going from there. And so do you think you will stop like taking on brands as an influencer and just do this and fo- photography full time? Or do you think sometimes you'll kind of, cause you have your personal page, like what mm-hmm. are you going to do with that? Are you going to sell the account to an upcoming oh. Sell your sell followers. Natalie really wants to follow you guys. Like, mm, follow her. I might be interested. No, I mean, if a brand reaches out and I will always like have that door open, it's mm-hmm. not closed. Um, and I do see like managers who have a following. I've like seen them do ads themselves right. and like mm-hmm. you're all in that space and you make those friendships and relationships. So it's like, they'll always have you in the back of their mind to do it. So I'm like, why not extra yeah. money? That's yeah. true. Now, what does a day in the life look like for Jess? What time you wake up? What do you do? Oh, man. I feel like it changes every single day. Like if I have a shoot that day or multiple, I'll usually block out that day for that Um, just because I don't want to be doing a million other things and then not be prepared for my shoot. If there's not a shoot, I will wake up pretty early Um. I have to like sit on the couch for a little bit and just like wake up before I even look at my emails because it just stresses me out. Um, I'll watch some TikTok, obviously. (laughs) Love that TikTok. (laughs) Gotta love it. Um, And then I will just, I mean, I have a lot of New York people emailing me. So their Mm. day starts three hours before mine. So I really try to not start anytime past nine if I'm doing emails that day and Monday and Tuesdays are my email days. I don't normally have shoots on those days and Monday and Tuesdays are the best time to send to people because that's when they're on their email accounts the most. Hmm. Sunday nights I will send emails too. So they'll get it straight in the morning because if it is New York, they need to see it before I wake up. That is a good idea. Email people on Tuesdays, Thursdays and Sunday nights. (laughs) 
<laughs> Here's your schedule. Um, but yeah, and then I'll do emails and then make food. Ed- I'll usually have edits to do or just like random stuff around the house, but it changes every day. I don't have a day-to-day schedule. And then at night, I will most likely not make dinner. I will try to. And then probably do more work because I work better at nights and then go to bed. So for people that don't like doing the same thing every mm-hmm. day, this is a cool career path because you can be freelance. Yeah. yeah. I think a lot of people would like that freedom. But freelance can be one of the most stressful things ever because you depend on you mm-hmm. getting the job, getting paid. It yeah. all depends on you. You don't have a boss mm-hmm. who's going to pay you every two weeks. You're right. not getting a steady paycheck. So one month, so true. <laughs> you might not you might not have any money coming in yeah. for a month. But then the next month, all your income comes in and you have to kind of divide that out and see how long it'll last you. It is really appealing to people like, oh, I can just work from home and email people and like make money. Yeah. Yes. But if you're not self-driven and you're not able to like, okay, I'm going to do work at this time. You, you also have to keep a schedule, even though you're not in corporate, you it's have true. to like be able to push yourself because it all depends on you yeah. and no one else. So true. Cause it would be very easy to wake up mm-hmm. and watch Netflix all day mm-hmm. and then be like, Oh I didn't send a single email. <laughs> I didn't work today. I didn't edit a single photo. <laughs> but sometimes sometimes that's not selfish. Sometimes it's good because yes. if you're working 24-7 around the clock because you just can check your emails, your Instagram at any point in time, it's like it's good to have those days mm. where you're sitting and doing nothing yeah. because if you don't decompress, you're going to go crazy and then you'll be like, okay, I'm going back to corporate so that someone can tell me what to do. Yeah, exactly. And true. have like you really don't have boundaries because you can work if you wanted to you could work all the time like I work on weekends like those are the best times to shoot and like run around and stuff so on a random Tuesday yeah I'm not gonna do anything all day because this is my weekend yep exactly but then I'll still return emails (laughs) I think that's the hardest part about doing freelance work is okay so I'm on a trip technically I'm on vacation but I'm technically still working because I'm taking all these photos so what am I really doing? Am I working or am, am I on vacation? Oh, gosh. I'd love to have that problem. <laughs> I love being freelance, but I do sometimes miss like having a set schedule every single day. But then mm-hmm. again, I don't because then I can just go to New York for my friend's baby shower yeah. and not have to give someone two weeks off. So it's it really is like a push and pull. Like there are cons and there are pros. And mm-hmm. it just depends if your personality can really like fit into that world because it, mm-hmm. it is stressful like there are some nights where I'm like I can't sleep because I'm like I don't know how I'm gonna pay rent these people won't pay me mm-hmm. I don't have anything coming in like freaking out you know yeah sometimes a brand will take three months to pay out and yeah. you're like oh what am I supposed to do then and that's actually a great thing to talk about right now is brands paying you as an influencer is one of the most fucked up things there is because they don't have to pay you there's no legality Mm -hmm. they're not going to get any trouble if they miss your 30-day net payment right like I've had people pay me a year later like and I'm emailing them every day Uh hey just following up on this hey just want to follow up on this so I think what is your experience with getting brands to pay you like sending invoices and stuff I think that's such a weird thing to deal with is people not paying you for a job yeah I had this one experience with this company and I had never worked with them before but I had posted and they were going to pay me through PayPal and I never heard anything but I didn't really think anything of it because I was like okay it takes like a couple weeks whatever 
they don't even say like, oh, love your post. Like usually they'll check up on you after mm-hmm. you post. And I didn't even hear that. And then I get a DM from a random girl and she was like, hey, I saw you worked with this company. Like I worked with them too three months ago mm. and they haven't paid me. Oh my God. And they're not responding to any of my emails. And I start panicking because I'm like, I did two posts for them, stories, and like this was like a long-term partnership and I'm not going to get paid for it. And so I start freaking out and I emailed them like crazy and then they got back to me and they're like, oh, so sorry, we had issues with our uh, banking oh accounts. And I'm like, okay. And then they like paid me a little extra because they felt bad, but I'm like, that's my only like risky thing yeah. that's ever happened to me. But normally you want to work with brands that are well known so that you don't run into that issue because they'll have an accounting office or a financial mm-hmm. department and they'll like figure out your 1099 or your W2 right. and all that stuff. So they're more like professional, but you don't know when you're going to get paid for the most part. And I think it's important to, after like 30 days, follow up with them and mm-hmm. just check in because brands are also humans. Like I had a brand that I worked with and they were paid me half up front, half later. Mm-hmm. And I followed up after like 30 days and they were like, oh, we never got your invoice. Oh. And I was like, oh, you just weren't going to tell me that you didn't have my invoice. So I went back and I forwarded her the email where I had sent my Mm -hmm. invoice 30 days prior. And she was like, oh, so sorry, I missed it. I'll get this in the accounting department. You'll get paid in an additional 30 days. So I had to wait 60 days because their invoice department or their accounting department had to wait 30 days to pay me out because they hadn't received my invoice. So I think it's really important to don't be scared to follow up and Mm -hmm. be like, hey, you can do it in a nice way. Just, hi, I just want to follow up on payment totally. and see if there were any issues on your end. Or yeah, just, you're, you're not annoying no. for getting paid for something you already did. No. Like, they want you to think that, but you're not. You're not. And sometimes brands will be like, well, we don't pay until net 120 days. That's like two months. Yeah, that's too long. No, that's like four months. 120 days? Yeah, that's oh, four sorry. months. <laughs> I was thinking 60 days in a month, but it's 30. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Logan skipped math class. <laughs> Listen, I've been to college in a year and a half. But I think that's one of the hardest parts about being an influencer or just freelancer in general. Like even for photography, I'm sure you've had clients being like, oops, um, so I'm waiting for this check deposit and then I'll pay you. Yes. And that's why I started having contracts. That's the most important thing is a <laughs> contract. have a contract. Most brands back to the influencer thing, I think most brands do have a contract, but if they don't, I would make sure that you have your own to add to that because I feel like that'll protect you in the long run. But for photography, hands down, always have a contract that says pay me half. So I know that you'll show up to the shoot. Right. It's not because I want your money now and then pay me day of, or if it's like a wedding, pay me like a week or so before. Yeah. And are there any penalties in your contract for people who are late or just don't pay? I don't know, actually. <laughs> like maybe I, made, I, I know I made a contract a while ago, so I, said, I genuinely don't know. You said that you take half, so they show up. Does that mean that a lot of people just don't show up? Yeah, I've had that happen to me before, where they would text me, and I was already on my way because I live so far away from everybody, mm-hmm. and they were like, oh, "I'm so sorry, I have to cancel," and I was like, "You didn't pay me anything, so I'm screwed," and I'm like, "Never again." I just recently had that happen. Ashley referred me to this girl who wanted to shoot. And I was like, oh, she's a friend. Like, I'm sure she'll be reliable. Yeah. She literally canceled the shoot an hour before. I'm like, I scheduled my day around this. Mm -mm. And then so she wanted to reschedule. I'm like, okay, well, you're going to have to give me half up front because you canceled. But now when you do shoot people, you should have a contract. Oh, yeah. I always do. Okay, good. Yeah. 
So something we are going to ask everyone we interview, a couple things actually. Oh. What did you want to be when you were a kid? I don't know. I, I never had dreams <laughs> growing what? up. You had no dreams. You didn't no. want to be a firefighter? No. I really was like I had, in third grade, my third grade teacher was like telling us how bad the food we ate was and like all this stuff and it really like stuck with me and I was like there's so much bad food out there and then I was like oh maybe I should do something in nutrition <laughs> and that's cool literally because of that it's I always been in the back of my head because I never knew what I wanted to do but now here I am eating hot Cheetos on the weekend so <laughs> hot Cheetos and Taco Bell my favorite oh, things woo-hoo. okay something else that we're going to ask everybody is what is something that you are currently undecided about? I don't know if I'm undecided about anything. Could be anything, what you want to have for breakfast. I'm undecided about that. (laughs) I'm undecided about what I should eat today, if I should juice or go all out. Are you going to juice that today? Go all out. Do you still have the juices that you bought? I don't know, part of me just wants to go all out and just eat. I'm really undecided about this. so crazy. Eat, juice, work out, not work out. I am undecided about what nail color I should do. Ooh. Because that's always something I never know. Yes. Do green. But I want. I also want to do like acrylics, but I've never done it before and I'm kind of afraid of it. I do my own now. Oh, what? Now he's a pro. Okay. Can you do mine? I'm not that good. <laughs> She's like, I don't know. I, let me just say, I'm okay at doing mine now. I'm not that good at doing other people. Okay. <laughs> I feel like it's easier on other people now. It's easier I just, on yourself. There's a skill when you file someone else's nails without cutting them. So there's that. But yeah, do green. Not we just the, decided for you. Okay. That's one less decision you have to make. Logan and I just decide your nail color. I like emerald green for fall. <laughs> olive like? or emerald. Ooh, olive would be pretty mm-hmm. this time yeah. of year. I'm very into that. Okay. Last thing. Last question before we let you go. What advice would you give someone who's trying to be an influencer or on the other side, wants to manage influencers for influencers I think people are really afraid of starting now just because it's very saturated um but you can see how quickly people blow up on TikTok so I would just test other platforms Mm -hmm. not necessarily just Instagram and just be consistent if you're posting all the time you're bound to get someone to like your post um and someone to support you so I would just keep at it and not give up you want to do management instead because you do like that space I would just find some influencers who look like they need help I would go the smaller route um at first and just reach out and see if like you would want to help them negotiate and just start just do it just do it I'm gonna take your advice Jess and become an influencer now he's gonna (laughs) do a post for the first time except you don't you post once every three months I've been posting regularly she has an array of photos and she hasn't posted any of them. I'm expecting This episode that. really inspired me. Okay. And I'm going to. The last time she posted was five days ago, people. And it's this one You know window. what? I'm going to post wow. one right now. Oh, groundbreaking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jess, please tell where everyone can find you, where they can buy your presets, see your photography, hire you for photography. If they're an influencer, how do they get to you for management? Oh, I got a lot of accounts. Um, oh. My personal is at Jess Rocco, R-O-C-H-O-W. And then my photo account is at Jess Rocco Photo. If you want to buy my mobile presets, you can buy them on Etsy under Jess Rocco. Just search me up. And then if you are an influencer who is looking for management, you can hit me up at, at Real Influence Management, MGMT. 
And we will put all of this in the show notes Ooh. and on our Instagram. That's a, nice, professional. that's a nice management name. Mm, you like, I like that. that. Thank, you. <laughs> Thank you for coming on our podcast. Thanks, guys. This yes. is so fun. Okay. Bye, Jess. Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please go and leave us a five-star rating on Apple, Spotify, anywhere you're listening to. It really helps us. And please go follow our Instagram at the undecided podcast. We will be posting clips of the show, who's coming up, and you can leave us your feedback there too. See you next week. Bye.